This episode is brought to you by Netflix. Thank you for the constant quality queer content. If you haven't seen the movie The Half of It yet, please do. Welcome back, everyone, to My Favorite Queer Chemist. I'm your host, Geraldo. And I'm Becca. We're keeping this intro short. We hope that y'all are hanging in there. We've got a great show for y'all this week. Enjoy. Welcome back, everybody, to My Fave Core Chemist. I'm Geraldo. And I'm Becca. And today we're so excited to introduce y'all to this week's guest. Would you mind introducing yourself? Hello, I'm Daniel. My pronouns are he, him. I did my undergrad at Rochester Institute of Technology. I'll just call it RIT from now on because that's a mouthful. <laughs> um, and I also did my master's there in like a five-year bachelor's master's thing. I just graduated from my master's on Saturday, I think when the graduation. And I'm interested in materials chemistry, like materials chemistry um, primarily, but I also like polymers and inorganic. Okay. That's nice. And what's your plan for the fall? I am going to work on, I don't know, something with polymers uh, at Penn State. There's a, there's quite a few professors I'm interested in working with, so we'll see. Nice. That's, That's exciting. Nice. So, how was your experience as an LGBTQ plus student at RIT? Um, so, coming in, I went to a Christian high school, so I was very... <laughs> like afraid of saying anything hinting that like I might not be cishet even though like RIT is a very liberal campus with that kind of thing like mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of people are LGBT there but I but me personally I was like I can't say anything because of the situation that I came from but I'd say overall like it was very accepting like once I came out a lot of the group like groups at RIT are more oriented towards trans women like if you are trans there isn't really a lot of stuff for like trans mask folks mm-hmm. but yeah i'd say it was overall pretty good that's good so you came out during your bachelor's yeah okay. um so let's see i started like socially transitioning when i was in my third year going into fourth year because i was doing like summer research mm-hmm. yeah my pi was very accepting and was like yeah i'll make sure like people call you by the right name and stuff so mm-hmm. that was pretty good yeah. um rit also has like a preferred name in their system where like if even though you haven't had your legal name changed yet you can say like hey please call me this and mm-hmm. like i think like like on my courses and stuff like that it'll list like your preferred name so that's really nice yeah, Michigan has the same thing, which is really awesome. I don't know if all yeah. schools have that, but I feel like they definitely should. Yeah, I, I I thought all schools had it too, but then like I heard other people talking about how they didn't, and I was like, oh, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a really easy thing to implement. Yeah, it's like makes it a little bit easier if you are trans or non-binary or go by a different name mm-hmm. in general. So. So you've participated in two RIT summer research programs. Can you talk about them and how your experience was? Yeah, so uh, between my second and third year and then between my third and fourth year, I did um, summer research. It was like company-sponsored research, different companies like each time, but with the same professor. 
So the professor that I worked with did a lot of stuff with like inkjet printing and formulating inks and testing them out. So my first project was to, uh, we were like, we were trying to get this dye to work on aluminum and trying to make it like OSHA compliant. And it was, it was a real doozy trying to get it to dissolve because it would only dissolve in methanol, but like <laughs> methanol isn't safe. <laughs> right. Um, so that was, that was, um, that was that summer. And then the next summer, um, a company sent me a bunch of resins and I had to see like how they would inkjet print. That's but, really awesome. Yeah. And so those programs, did you find about them through RIT or were you like a different way of finding them? So I, I let my PI know that I was interested in doing research over the summer and he has a lot of industry connections. So he mm-hmm. was just kind of like keeping an eye out and he was like, oh, hey, I have some positions. Are you interested? And I was like, yeah, beats sitting at home. So, <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's, that's cool that there's like connections to industry and that you can have collaborations like that in your undergrad. I feel like yeah. you, know, you really only see that, like those sort of industry research collaborations mm-hmm. in graduate school. So that's really awesome. He, I'd say that he was the main professor who had a lot of the industrial connections. Everyone else did stuff through like grants and like their mm-hmm. own like projects and stuff. Mm-hmm. Because in your school, did you have a like um, office or something that could help you find summer programs? Did I? Um, yeah. No, yeah. absolutely not. I did not. I went to a really small school. Um, mm-hmm. And so I didn't even know what REUs were, which are like, oh, wow. A lot yeah. of people know what REUs are because their schools, like, especially like smaller schools, have like heavily like advertised those. But mm-hmm. I didn't really know what those were at all. So I basically went to my PI the like during my junior year. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I didn't REU the summer before my senior year. And I was like, I think I want to get some research experience at like a different lab at a bigger right. school. And then she was like, she helped me a lot in that process. But I had to do a lot of like that digging myself. I did mm-hmm. not have mm-hmm. like a lot of help in terms of finding preparing yeah, and mm-hmm. finding stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that schools like should have those kind of like help or like offices or something because mm-hmm. in my school my school is the biggest school in puerto rico and we don't have that either mm-hmm. you know and like you have to yeah. good you know go to the school website and look for research programs or look you know right. for the nsf website or you know big 10 or whatever and i think those programs should have a, like an easier access to underrepresented minorities and everyone you know yeah. like everyone deserves to know about that Definitely. And then when the time comes that you're applying to graduate school, if you don't, if you do come from like a smaller school or a school that doesn't have like maybe as much funding or as much like clout <laughs> in terms of yeah. research, <laughs> like you're almost expected to have like yeah. REUs and, and summer research programs. But then if mm-hmm. you, you can't easily find those, then you're kind of screwed or, you know, some schools don't view or some graduate schools don't view during like summer research at your college or your PUI or smaller school as like as legit as doing an REU or something like that so yeah so can you tell us about your experience as a trans man in the STEM field so far I know you talked a little bit about that earlier but yes so I transitioned in the summer between third and fourth year so before that I was I wasn't I was identifying as non-binary but I wasn't really like out about it because 
I don't know what does passing look like when you're non-binary. No one really knows. Um, so I was oh, just yeah. kind of like living as female question mark because um, it's easier to explain that than having to say like please use they them and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd say like when you are like I guess going both ways as like trans women or trans men but since I am a trans man that's my experience living as a woman in STEM is very different in that like in my physics classes for example like I was a math minor so I knew math really well but like whenever I did calculations and stuff they'd be like are you sure that's the answer and then like after transition people would just like take my word for things and I'd be like okay, like, where's, where's, like, the rounds of questioning, (laughs) like, yeah, but I'd say, like, that's, like, the main thing that stood out to me, I guess, is just, like, being able to experience the different, like, the stark difference of, like, being female or being male in STEM. I know that, like, it's not as bad as it was, like, 100 years ago, but, like, the differences still are there. Right. Yeah, definitely. And did you find that people were generally accepting and understanding in terms of like your STEM community, if you did have like a STEM community while you were at RIT? Yeah, I'd say people were generally pretty accepting. I'd say like a lot of, especially like the engineering majors, I was never very open with them about like being trans and stuff because a lot of them were very, were like a lot more conservative, I guess, than Mm -hmm. like my fellow chemistry majors and stuff mm-hmm. yeah well, that's good to hear generally that it was a yeah. positive experience I thought it was going to be a lot worse than it actually was just like coming from my background of growing up in like a rural town and going to a Christian school mm-hmm. I thought like as soon as I came out everyone was gonna oh like this is terrible but everyone was just <laughs> kind of like okay <laughs> mm-hmm. that's good that's good yeah good so switching gears a little bit um, what factors have you taken into consideration when choosing Penn State for your grad studies? I'd say, like, the main thing is how many professors I was interested in working with. Like, mm-hmm. at Penn State, I think there's something like six professors I'm interested in working with. So, like, that was a major factor. If a school only had, like, one professor I was interested in working with, I was like, well, you know, what if I don't get in to work with them? Then I'm kind right. of like, screwed also I guess like looking at where the graduates end up like a lot of Penn State graduates end up in industry and that's where I want to end up so Mm -hmm. uh, that's what drew me towards the program as well I don't know those are like the main factors Mm -hmm. did you get a chance to visit before the pandemic yeah like right before I visited like (laughs) maybe a week a week before like Pennsylvania shut down and I was like, wow. <laughs> that's, um, yeah, that's lucky. Yeah. <laughs> they, um, I also applied and got into Pitt, and I, um, I visited their early visitation, which was, like, the end of February, and their later one was, like, at the end of March. So, like, I, I really, like, <laughs> was lucky with that one. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So, so what kind of plans, if any, have they offered the incoming grad students in regards of the, you know, the current situation? Um, they haven't really said a lot of, they haven't really said much of anything yet because they're mm-hmm. like, it's a 
ongoing situation we really don't know what's going to be going on in august um right however like penn state did offer me like a summer fellowship and they canceled mm-hmm. that because of all the coronavirus stuff mm-hmm. um but as far as i know and as far as anyone else knows everything is i don't know i guess going as planned for august right yeah that that happened similarly here because in the chemistry in our department we also have a summer fellowship for the incoming mm-hmm. students but obviously that was also canceled um yeah. and summer rotations i think they were canceled too Mm-hmm. Um, but I I did heard about uh, like another program here at the uh, University of Michigan that offer um, students to defer their um, acceptance for next year. Mm. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. And I they offer about that. yeah they offer them money and the option to defer. Oh wow! For twenty twenty one. That's crazy. That's that that's crazy. that's the tea. Don't tell that anyone. Is, that is the, that is the tea. Carlo <laughs> always knows a lot more about mm-hmm. what's going on than I do, so <laughs> I'm just like constantly like shook by the tea. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm I think like I think all of us are just like, what's happening? Like <laughs> we don't know. We I mean it's it's really like stressful i think Mm -hmm. geraldo and i as first years like we like our first year got cut short Mm -hmm. i know it's also stressful for like the fourth and fifth years who are like what am i doing with my life and i think it's just stressful for everyone but yeah for sure but i'm i'm at least a little bit grateful that i'm like already at michigan and like have things a little bit figured out so i definitely worry for the incoming first years across like all graduate programs and like how, mm-hmm. how is that gonna affect like really getting to like become rooted in a place right. and become like connected with people and that's like the hardest thing I think about the first semester of graduate school mm-hmm. so yeah like you said people that are already here might not notice but it, everything is so difficult now like even getting a housing like yeah it's so hard I have I have friends who are coming you know first years and they are having a really hard time finding a place like to rent Mm-hmm. because yeah. everything is like shut down. Mm-hmm. What happened with me is that, so at RIT, I was living in like on-campus housing and then they kicked me out. And so I was like, well, oh. I'm going to try to find a place to live like around Penn State. And I oh. actually did find a place to um, to move in. So like I'm, I'm already here. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, I figured like it would, it would be, it would make a lot more financial sense to like move directly to Penn State than to move back home for like what a few months and then mm-hmm. Penn State right. eventually. So. Right. That's nice that you got a place. Yeah. Yeah. So I know we talked a little bit about this, but did you have a supportive LGBTQ community in undergrad and during your masters? And then what does that look like in terms of like what you're expecting for graduate school and what you're hoping for? So I had a lot of like I had a lot of friends who were LGBT. I didn't really seek out a lot of clubs and stuff on campus. They were there, but I felt the general attitude they had was kind of like, I don't know, they didn't like, of course, like on the surface, they'd accept like trans men and stuff. But like Mm -hmm. when you're there, they talk about like, I don't know, like a lot of struggles that like trans women would have and stuff and like I just felt kind of like eh like I don't really like this but I'd say like my friends and stuff are really supportive and mm-hmm. that was kind of what I needed the most I'd say like that's pretty much the same thing I'm looking for like at Penn State is just like a group of friends who are also LGBT and I can talk to them about like what's going on and stuff yeah yeah definitely I think like 
Geraldo and I can both attest to like the wonders that having a group of friends like that like as soon as you join or in your first semester year of graduate school like that has a huge effect I think mm-hmm. on like mental health and like ability to get through your first year and hopefully the rest of like your career in graduate school as well but yeah definitely I would for sure. definitely say like that was a big priority for me when I moved here so yeah mm-hmm. yeah and, and you said something really really important that we have to learn how to be in, like really inclusive because mm-hmm. most I mean, I might say this and people might go against me, but I, I would say most LGBTQ plus associations are like mostly gay people. And there's yeah. like a whole of other people like cis in the LGBTQ. Men. Yeah, it's yeah. cis gay men mostly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I am a cis gay man, you know, but. Right. Yeah, I think I like know. that, I think that was really hard for me, even in, and I think Carola would agree, like even mm-hmm. in the queer spaces in Ann Arbor, like both at yeah. the University of Michigan and also like mm-hmm. the gay bars and things like that, that like we frequent because we like to be in queer spaces. Mm-hmm. I think like the majority of those places are like cis gay men, mm-hmm. which is like fine. But I think to kind of like going to your point is like, it's also nice to like have friends or to like be able to go into a space where like there are others like you and that right. you can like yeah. relate to. Um, obviously like, queer is a really beautiful like umbrella term that like a lot of people can find community in Mm -hmm. amongst like all these different identities and stuff but it is it is good to like feel seen and like validated by like having others who at least have this like little shared experience as you Mm -hmm. I agree so I think like all queer spaces should like constantly be evaluating like how accepting they are are. of all Mm -hmm types of lgbtq people for sure because i don't think that's always prioritized Mm -hmm. yeah i think you really hit the nail on the head with that one (laughs) 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 thank you i've thought a lot about this in my lifetime yeah (laughs) but yeah so what are you most looking forward for your phd studies at penn state i think just being able to devote a lot of a lot more of my time to research than I ever got to in undergrad where like in undergrad I had all of these other classes that I needed mm-hmm. to be working on homework no 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 I'm just looking forward to really sinking my teeth into my like research problem I guess yeah. no no <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how um, Penn State's it's just, you know, structured, but your first year is going to feel a little bit like that. Like you have yeah. to worry about classes, but you yeah. want to worry about research. Right. And it is a little bit of a struggle. But then once you're yeah. done with that, I, I mean, I don't know yet, it. but. <laughs> yeah, we don't actually know, but hopefully. <laughs> I think it'll feel better. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, TBD yeah, on that. <laughs> we have no idea what we're, what we're in, in for for the next four years, so. Yeah, I have, like, a general idea of what um, graduate school is supposed to look like, just because my brother's a PhD biochemist. Oh. So I got to listen to him, like, rant about all of his woes and such. Um, right. So I have... I guess, like, I have a better idea of what it's supposed yeah. to be like than little inside someone scoop, who's just yeah. going Right. That's good. I'm sure you're going to do great. You'll, yeah. you'll, be, you'll be just fine, I think. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It is. It is. It's, very so. stress- <laughs> it's very stressful and definitely the hardest thing I've ever done, but it's amazing. <laughs> it's worth it. I think so. So, 
this is one of my favorite questions. So what <laughs> advice would you give to your younger self if you could go back and talk to him? And it can be about chemistry, queerness, literally anything, bad haircuts, etc. Let's see. So I would, if I were to talk to like my late elementary school self, I'd say, please pay more attention in class. And <laughs> <laughs> like, like you, you can do art at home, but like pay attention in your math classes mm-hmm. and all oh, like, it doesn't, doesn't matter a whole lot that you don't have a lot of friends right now. Cause like mm-hmm. you'll meet, you'll meet some like other nerds and like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I guess if I were to say something to my high school self, it would be that being in this conservative environment isn't going to last forever. And even though you feel like there's nothing to look forward to right now, you should have something to look forward to because like it's it's gonna be over and you're not gonna see any of these people again. And you're gonna have a, a much more supportive environment when you move on from this. And yeah. I guess I don't know, at some at some point between that, I'd say to my past self, like maybe you could look more into um socially transitioning with your family at least your family and maybe like try to seek out that kind of stuff and try not like try not to be so afraid of your masculine identity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that's, nice. that's really good thank you <laughs> <laughs> great answer <laughs> yeah. would, would you mind explaining what social transition is to an art to our audience you know in your own experience yeah so socially transitioning is when you i or you out you outwardly identify as your i guess well for me it would be like when mm-hmm. i started identifying as male to my peers my family mm-hmm. and my professors and also when you when you start asking people to call you by your new by your new name new pronouns mm-hmm. um for me specifically, I didn't have too long of a social transition until like before I started hormone replacement therapy. It was kind of like started social transition like a month before I started hormone replacement therapy. And then I was like, all right, here we go. Like, because <laughs> <laughs> um, to me, well, specifically to me, like passing was a lot more important than like having, I don't know, than like still appearing feminine and mm-hmm. having people refer to me with like my preferred pronouns Mm -hmm, definitely and I think it should it's important to note that there are some people who only decide to socially transition and never decide to medically transition so there's Mm -hmm. there's kind of like multiple layers of like being non-binary trans that right yeah that I think it's important for our audience to know Mm -hmm. yeah definitely yeah yeah I forgot to that (laughs) no no it's fine it's fine I just but since we're on the topic, I thought it's like yeah. useful to drop in there. Mm-hmm. Thank you both of you for that. Yeah. <laughs> so last question, who's your chemistry role model and why? Um, say Marie Curie. I know that's a pretty like, generic answer. I don't know. This is the first time that we've heard that answer. Yeah. So. Really? So, yeah. yeah. I feel like I've heard a lot of people say that um, Marie Curie was their chemistry role model. But anyway, I think like her story of succeeding in chemistry so well while dealing with all the pressure of like, you know, like living in Poland when it's not actually Poland and Mm -hmm. having to deal with like the 
social prejudice of being a woman in STEM in the 1900s. And I don't know, just, I think her story is inspirational and in how she succeeded so well and got two, like two Nobel prizes and, mm-hmm. you know, but still having to deal with all this other stuff to fight against. Definitely. Yeah. But you know that they were making or made a film about her? Have they? Really? Yeah. I don't know that. I don't remember the name of the film. I, ha- I might have to Google that later. I'll have but, to look into it. But yeah, I saw the trailer. It seemed very good. Nice. Yeah. Cool. I'll add it to the list. <laughs> so where can people find you on social media if they want to connect with you? My Twitter is Aetherdraw, spelled A-E-C-H-E-R. D-R-A-U-G-H-T. Um, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> the story behind that one is like Aether is kind of like the part of outer space that's just like black. And I was like, hey, like if it was a potion, you know, if you drink it, what would it be mm-hmm. like? And so that's how I got my name. <laughs> <laughs> um, so cool. I used to be active. Oh, so I used to do a lot of digital art uh, before school started getting crazy. So I, I used to be active on DeviantArt, but I've heard they've like changed their website around a lot. So mm-hmm. I'm probably not going back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, I think that was all we had. Thank you so much for letting us chat with you. Yeah. Yeah. It was a pleasure. This was lovely. And best of luck in the fall at Penn mm-hmm. State. And we'll definitely be in contact. Yeah, and keep up posted on how that goes. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> I'll let you guys know. <laughs> All right, bye. Well, Good thank you. you. Bye. Bye. If you're interested in participating in the STEM Village Symposium that will be held virtually in August, then you should submit your abstracts by June 1st. You can find more information about this on our Twitter. Remember to fill out the nomination form on our Twitter if you're interested in being interviewed for the show. You can follow us at MFQCPod. Take care, everybody, and stay safe. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Adios.